Psalm 119, Discourse 11, of Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Exposition on the Book of Psalms, Volume 5, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 119, Discourse 11. 1. Verse 33. In this great psalm there cometh next in order that which, with the Lord's help, we must consider and treat of. Set a law for me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall seek it alway. The apostle saith, The law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, and the like characters the mention whereof he concludeth with these words, And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Was he then who said, Set a law for me, O Lord, like in character to those whom the blessed Paul declareth that the law was made? God forbid, for if he had been such, he would not have said above, I will run the way of thy commandments, when thou hast widened my heart. Why then doth he pray that the law may be taught him by the Lord, if it be not taught the righteous? Is it given to the righteous, not in the same sense as it was given to a stiff-necked people, on tables of stone, not in fleshy tables of the heart? According to the old covenant from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, not according to the new covenant, concerning which it is written through Jeremiah the prophet. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they abode not in my covenant, and I forsook them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts. Behold in what manner this man wisheth the law to be set him by the Lord, not as it is laid down for the unholy and the disobedient, who belong to the old covenant, on tables of stone but as it is given in the mind to the holy sons of the free, that is, the heavenly Jerusalem, the sons of promise, the sons of an everlasting heritage, by the Holy Spirit, as it were by the finger of God, and written in the heart, not one which they may hold in remembrance and neglect in life, but which they may know by understanding, perform by loving, in the breadth of love, not in the narrowness of fear. For he who doth the work of the law through fear of punishment, not from love of righteousness, truly doth it against his will. But what he doth against his will, if it could be so, he would prefer should not be commanded at all. And thus he is not a friend, but a foe of the law, which he would wish should not exist. Nor is he who is unclean in will cleansed by his act, such a man cannot say what this man said in the foregoing verses. I did run the way of thy commandments, when thou hast widened my heart. 
for that widening signifieth love which according to the apostle is the fulfilling of the law two why then doth this man still pray for a law to be laid down for him which if it had not been laid down for him he could not have run the way of god's commandments in the breadth of his heart but since one speaketh who is growing in grace and who knoweth that it is god's gift that he profiteth in grace what else doth he pray when he prayeth that a law may be laid down for him save that he may profit more and more and if thou holdest a full cup and givest it to a thirsty man he both exhausts it by drinking it and prayeth for it by still longing for it but those unrighteous and disobedient men from whom the law is laid down on tablets of stone are thereby made guilty of transgression not the sons of promise but he also who remembereth it and yet loveth it not is guilty in this way because his memory is as it were a sort of written stone not to adorn him but to weigh him down an onerous load not a title of honor this law he hath termed the way of the judgments of god nor is the path of his commandments which he had already stated he had run when his heart was expanded different he therefore both hath run and is running until he reached the palm of the heavenly calling of god lastly after he had said set a law for me o lord the way of thy statutes he addeth and i shall seek it evermore for why doth he seek for what he hath save because he both hath it by acting and seeketh it by improving three but what meaneth evermore will there be no end of seeking as it is said his praise shall be ever in my mouth because there will be no end of praising him for we shall not cease to praise god when we shall have reached his everlasting kingdom since we read blessed are they that dwelt in thy house they will be always praising thee doth evermore mean as long as we live here because we progress in grace so long but after this life he who was in a good course of improvement here is made perfect there just as it is said of certain women that they were ever learning but these learnt ill for he addeth and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth but he who always profiteth in growth unto edification here arrives at the goal which he striveth to attain by progress in grace where he will no longer progress because here resteth made perfect without end but the expression ever learning is not used of those women to mean that even after death they continue endeavoring to learn vain and fruitless things since everlasting punishments not studies succeed that species of learning as long as we progress in it both by knowing it and by loving it but there its fullness abideth for our enjoyment not for our examination thus also is this spoken seek his face evermore where evermore save here for we shall not there also seek the face of god when we shall see face to face or if that which is loved without a change of affection is rightly said to be sought after and our only object is that it not be lost we shall indeed evermore seek the law of god 
that is, the truth of God. For in this very psalm it is said, And thy law is the truth. It is now sought that it may be held fast. It will then be held fast that it may not be lost. Even as it is said of the Spirit of God, that I searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Not indeed that it may discover what I knoweth not, because it leaveth nothing that it knoweth not. 4. Verse 34. The grace of God, therefore, is particularly commended unto us, when he who already knew the law according to its letter, prayeth that a law may be set for him by the Lord. But since the letter killeth, while the Spirit giveth life, he prayeth that he may be enabled through the Spirit to perform that which he knew through the letter, lest on account of his knowledge of a commandment which he had not obeyed, the charge even of disobedience might come upon him. However, no man, unless he hath received the comprehension thereof from the Lord, can comprehend how the law is to be known as it ought to be that is, how the real meaning may be understood. However, no man, unless he hath received the comprehension thereof from the Lord, can comprehend how the law is to be known as it ought to be, that is, how its real meaning may be understood, why it was imposed upon those who were not to keep it, what profit even this hath in it, that the law entered that sin might abound. Whence he addeth, verse 34, Give me understanding, and I shall search thy law. Yea, I shall keep it with my whole heart. For when each man hath searched the law, and searched its deep things, in which its whole meaning doth consist, he ought indeed to love God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and his neighbor as himself. For on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. This he seemeth to have promised when he said, Yea, I shall keep it with my whole heart. 5. Verse 35. But since he hath no power to do even this, save he be aided by him who commandeth him to do what he commandeth, make me, he addeth, to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein is my desire. My desire is powerless, unless thou thyself makest me to go where I desire. And this is surely the very path, that is, the path of God's commandments, which he had already said that he had run, when his heart was enlarged by the Lord. And this he calleth a path, because the way is narrow which leadeth unto life. And since it is narrow, we cannot run therein save with a heart enlarged. 6. Verse 36. But since he still profiteth, he still runneth, and he therefore seeketh the divine help whereby he may be conducted, since it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For it is God that worketh in us even to will, for the will is prepared by the Lord. He next saith, Incline mine heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Thus then he prayeth, that he may profit in the will himself. But what are the testimonies of God, save those wherein he beareth witness to himself? For something is proved by testimonies, and on this account the judgments and commandments of God are proved by the testimonies of God, 
and whatever God willeth to persuade us, he persuadeth us by his own testimonies, towards which the psalmist prayeth that his own heart may be inclined, and not to covetousness. For God enjoins us by his testimonies to worship him for naught, which covetousness, the root of all evils, hindereth. He useth here a Greek expression, from which covetousness generally may be understood, whereby every man seeketh more than is enough. For the word meaneth more, and signifieth having, being derived from the verb to have. It is therefore termed, from having too much, a word which the Latin translators in this passage have variously rendered by emolument, utility, and avarice, which last is best. But the apostle saith, Avarice is the root of all evils. But in Greek, whence these words have been rendered into our tongue, the word used by the apostle is not, which occurs in this passage of the Psalms, but by which is signified love of money. But the apostle must be understood to have meant genus by species when he used this word, that is, to have meant avarice universally, and generally by love of money, which is truly the root of all evils. For the first human beings would not have been deceived and cast down by means of the serpent, unless they had desired to have more than they had received, and to be more than they had been made. For this was the tempter's promise, ye shall be as gods. By this covetousness, then, they were ruined. For by wishing to have more than they had received, they lost even what they had received. A trace of this truth, which hath been universally diffused, may be found in the civil law, which provides that he who claimeth more than his due shall be non-suited. That is, that he who demandeth more than was due to him should lose even what was due to him. But all covetousness is cut away from about us, if God be worshipped for naught. This is the challenge given by the tempter to Job in his temptation, when he asketh respecting him, Doth Job fear God for naught? For the devil thought that in fearing God the righteous man's heart was inclined to covetousness, and served him like a hireling, for his wages, for the sake of profit, or the advantage of his temporal fortunes, wherewith God had enriched him. But when he was tempted, it appeared how that he served God for naught. If therefore our heart be not inclined to covetousness, we fear God only for God's sake, that he is the only reward of our serving him. Let us love him in himself, let us love him in ourselves, him in our neighbors whom we love as ourselves, whether they have him, or in order that they may have him. Since this is given to us by his own gift, it is therefore said to him, Incline mine heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. But what followeth must be treated of in another discourse. End of Psalm 119, Discourse 11